Awesome. Well, good morning, Chapel family. Lisa and I got to be uh, over at Pastor Jay and Annette's house last night and got to hear more um, from Malini. And I really encourage you, if you have the bandwidth in your schedule this afternoon, like you said, at one o'clock over at the Sandusky location, worth the drive across the bridge, and just to hear just the incredible stories of life change and the amazing, passionate work that's happening uh, over in India that we get to now partner with them uh, to make a difference in uh, women and children's lives and training pastors and launching churches. It's, it's a fantastic, fantastic thing that we get to, to join in on. So take advantage of that if you're able, all right? Uh, we're looking forward to this time together. It's awesome to have the kids in the room. It's great to worship and celebrate and to, to remember what Orange is all about. And uh, this morning, we want to continue our series in the wisdom literature. And to do that, I want us to start uh, with, a, with a little trivia, a little game. I'm going to throw some things up on the screen, and I just want you to think about in your mind and in your heart, what is it? Okay, what is it? What is it that can rip apart friends and business partners? What is it that will drive you, but will also destroy you? What is it that will cause brother to turn against brother and sister against sister? It's never satisfied. What is it? it is, it's a powerful motivator, but it can cause a complete mess. And it chases after more and hoards what it already has. Can you guess what it is? It's the Browns. <laughs> mm, some truth to that. It's greed. It's greed. And that's what we want to spend some time thinking about, talking about this weekend. We've been looking at the seven deadly sins in the book of Proverbs. And this weekend we come to the subject of greed. Now, William Barclay, a theologian, he says, Greed is an aggressive vice that operates in three spheres of life. Number one, in the material sphere, it involves grasping at money and goods regardless of honor and honesty. Oops, uh, we'll go back one. Uh, in, ethic, in the ethical sphere, it is the ambition which tramples on others to gain something which is not properly meant for it. And then in the moral sphere, it is the unbridled lust that takes its pleasure where it has no right to take. Now, next weekend... I'll give you the forewarning, and next weekend we'll be a little bit PG-13 in this room, and we will talk specifically about the deadly sin, the, the vice of, of lust. And so we won't so much concentrate on that today, but we want to concentrate on those two first spheres as it uh, kind of relates to the topic of greed, all right? Now, our series subtitle is Stop Learning Things the Hard Way. Stop learning things the hard way. And probably some of us in the room, we've already had to learn some hard lessons about greed. Maybe in our own life, maybe we've watched uh, and learned a lesson by watching, viewing somebody else's life and how greed just kind of invaded their lives and caused lots and lots of issues and problems. Now, or maybe you're here this week and you're like, I don't, I don't, I don't have a problem with greed, but, but what, if, what if there is some greed lurking deep down in the recesses of our hearts, and today could be a day that could, could possibly rescue us from, from the power of greed or, or from, from taking us down a road that we really don't want to face. We don't want to have to learn the hard way. Or maybe for some of you in the room, God has done an amazing work in your life. And today, as we think about this subject, 
It's just a celebration that God has has loved you and freed you and taught you some lessons and you've moved from from living a greedy life to a a generous life. And so wherever you're at in the journey, today we're going to take some next steps in our own lives. And we want to turn to Proverbs chapter 11. If you've got your Bible, that's where we're going to camp out, right here in, in Proverbs 11, beginning in verse 24. We'll put the verses on the screen as well for you. And let me just read it for us, and then we'll think about a bottom line truth that this passage brings us to, all right? It says, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. People curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessings on the one who is willing to sell. Whoever seeks good finds favor, but evil comes to the the one who searches for it. And those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Really, this passage kind of in Proverbs contrasts two different types of people, the greedy and the generous. It talked about the blessings of generosity, but also the dangers of greed. And it leads us to a bottom line truth that we don't want to walk away from this place uh, forgetting. It's that generosity can give you what greed can't get you. Would you say that with me? Generosity can give you what greed can't get you. You see, greed is all about getting, right? Get, get, get. Chase after more. But generosity is also all about giving. It's all about living. It's all about giving it away and finding that in the giving, we actually gain. And that's how the proverb starts. Let's go back to verse 24. It says, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Have you ever seen this principle to be true? Like somebody in your life that that you've seen, they just have this generous spirit and it seems like, man, their cup is just always refilled and overflowing. Like the the, the person that, that gives to others freely, whether that's time, resources, money, gifts, They just continue to gain even more. Now, this is not to say that the the goal of giving and generosity is to get, all right? And some of us, we've probably played that game in our own life. And maybe you even grew up in a church that taught, oh, the reason that you give, hey, you give, and God's going to just bless you tenfold. And, 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 And it's this idea that really the motivation starts to change when that's why we're giving. When that's why we're being generous, it's just to get back. Now, see, the the motivation for real generosity is because God has been so generous to us already. It's when we've experienced love that we didn't deserve. It's it's when we experience forgiveness that we could have never earned. It's when when we realize there's, there's hope when we felt in utter despair. And God has done a work in somebody's life. And because of that, out of gratitude, it's like, I will spend the rest of my life just giving back to God and to others because of everything that he has already done for me. The proverb says one person gives freely out of that heart motivation, and the result, they gain even more. One of my friends says, you just can't outgive God, and he's one of the most generous persons I've ever met in my life. 
And he always says it. Todd, you can't outgive God. It always comes back. It might not come back in a specific financial way. It might come back in, a, in the blessing of, of deep friendship or connection with others or the love of, of people because of your generosity towards them. God may bless in a variety of ways. And sometimes it does come back financially. The way that we give leads actually to gaining. Generosity can give you what greed can't get you. Now, the flip side of this proverb that we just looked at says, but another one, as opposed to the generous person that just continues to gain more as, as they give of it freely, the, the greedy person, he says, withholds unduly, but then comes to poverty. The writer of Proverbs, Solomon, he is warning us against the power and the allurement of greed. And he says the end of greed, trying to get, is actually that you lose, that you, that you actually have nothing, that you will come to poverty. And even if it's not financial poverty, it might be poverty of relationships. All of us in the room, we've seen how greed has destroyed families, friendships, business partners, right? Uh, and, and so it says another withholds unduly. The idea here is it's not that it, it's wrong to hold on to something. Like all of us have responsibility, right? We should all work. We should, we should care. We should provide. We should save. We should give all of these things. But the proverb writer is saying, but there's one who holds on to more than they really need to hold on to. And in reality, in America, that's the majority of us. Of us. I mean, you think about the impoverished people in India that sometimes barely have enough to eat one time a day. And comparatively, we have so much. And the proverb is saying, greed can not be just about chasing after and getting more. It can be about holding on to what we already have. Now, doesn't that flip it? Doesn't that mess with it? I, know, I don't know about you, but I, typically when I think about greed, I think it's about that person that's just money hungry and just chasing after more. And I can easily go, well, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not that person. Like, I don't even know how much my paycheck is. Lisa handles all the bills. She does all that kind of stuff. But then I think, what about the stuff that we do have and how tightly are we holding on to it? Do we share freely with what we already have been given? Sometimes we, we think that the, the question around generosity is, and giving is, well, how much am I giving? When maybe a better question to ask is, how much am I keeping? You see, generosity is not just chasing after more. Generosity is also hoarding and holding on to what we already have. And so the the next verse in Proverbs chapter 11 kind of focuses on the, on the generous person again. It says, A generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will himself be refreshed. There's a principle here. And Proverbs are not always perfect promises, like all the time, 100% true. Proverbs are, are uh, things that typically we do see happening in life on a very regular and consistent basis. And Solomon is saying, listen, the person that is generous, 
The person that refreshes others, and actually the word here is a generous person. It's, it's actually the Hebrew word for a generous soul. Remember we talked about when somebody's soul has been touched by the, the love and generosity of God, it changes something internally. He's saying the person that their soul has been touched by God and his love and grace in their life, that they, they will prosper and they will refresh others. The picture here is like of somebody that is just parched and on the verge of dying and someone brings them a cup of cold, fresh water and it just refreshes them. And the proverb says the person that does that, that, that extends the cup of cold water, whatever that looks like, whether it's a gift, whether it's time, whether it's relationship, whether it's money, whether it's uh, using our gifts and abilities to bless someone else, the, the person that refreshes others will also be refreshed in return. Uh, I guess it was about three weekends ago, I wasn't here. We had a Sunday off. And we have some good friends. They live out, they live out at Lakeside. And uh, they've got this beautiful... I remember the first time we visited, they said, you, go, you should go over to the cottage. And so I'm picturing like this little cute little you know, cottage. And we, we pull into the driveway. And this is like a house, like a big house, a beautiful house. And part of their, their, their goal with their home is to share it with other people, especially people in ministry. And they said, why don't you just come and you guys just spend the weekend. And it was the first time that we've been away, Lisa and I, and we, we took Carter with us, but it's the first time that he, he's been dealing with some medical issues over the last two years. We haven't gone on vacation for almost three years, for, but just for two nights, Friday night and Saturday night, we went over to Lakeside. And I mean, it's all quiet over there. Those of you that live over there, you're like, yes, this, it's nice now. Like, nobody's around. <laughs> and I mean, we, we just walked along the, the path there along the lake. We just soaked in and sat on the porch as the leaves were falling down and had a hot cup of coffee. We cooked. We ate out. It was such a beautiful, refreshing time. We got there, and as, as soon as we went in, Carter went up to one of the kids' rooms that has a bunk bed, and he was all excited. He's 17, but he was all excited to get on a bunk bed. He was on the top bunk, and, and he, he, came, he saw a book, and Carter hasn't been uh, reading or, or really able to comprehend because of some of the things going on in his mind, and he said, can I read this book? And he sat up there, and he sat up there for hours just, just reading and I said, Carter, you want to come down and eat? Uh, we, we need to eat something. He's like, Dad, no, can, I, can you bring it up here? Can I just stay up here? And he was just in this peaceful, refreshing space. The sunlight coming in through the window and just reading a, a C.S. Lewis book, The Chronicles of Narnia. And ever since that weekend, he has started reading again and comprehending again. And... and, and at our house, it's kind of chaotic. I mean, we have a dog, and she sleeps on the bed with us, and so she's always over by Lisa and, like, kicking her at night, you know, and so she never gets a real good, Lisa never gets a real good night's sleep, and then we have um, two, two great Dane dogs that live directly across from us, and all night, oh, 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 oh. Like, this is our life, and, like, it's, it's always, it's constant. And for this night, these two nights at Lakeside, it was just quiet. Lisa and I, we were taking a walk on Sunday afternoon. She's like, she's like, I haven't slept this well 
probably in two years. That time at Lakeside, it was such a gift. It was so nurturing to our souls, so refreshing, and it was a gift from someone else to say, just come, rest, breathe, stay. That's, a, that's, the, that's the life of a generous person. I, I want to buy a Lakeside house and share it with people, don't you? He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. You see, guys, generosity can give you what greed will never get you. Look at Proverbs eleven twenty six. 26. It says, people curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to sell. Now, this principle says people curse the one who hoards grain. Remember, greed is not just about chasing after more. Greed is about hoarding and holding on to what we already have. And he says, and he says the result of hoarding and not sharing with others is that people will curse you. Now, in, in the Old Testament, people literally called out curses on people. Could you imagine if, if we lived in a culture like that? We, you know, we might let a word slip or dang you or something like that, you know, or um, the person that pulls out in front of you on, on the highway or, or uh, you know. And, but, but in their day, like, it would, it would be like they would call down curses on heaven from the gods. <laughs> and and the, the writer here is saying, the people that are greedy and hold on to everything for themselves, they, 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 they build up curses upon their lives from the opinions of other people because other people, they see that greed and the unwillingness to share and the hoarding and the keeping and the stinginess and the doing whatever it takes to get more. And it causes curses. But on the flip side is they pray God's blessings on those that are willing to sell. So really the choice is ours, right? How do you want to be prayed for? Do you want, to be, you want to people, people to be cursing our names? Well, then just, just hold on to it all, chase after it all, do everything you can to get just more of it. But if you want people to be praying blessings over your life, it's like our friends, like I just, I'm so thankful. Like I, I just want to pray for them all the time. They've done so much for us. If, if you want people to just champion your life, cheer your life on, pray for you, pray for God's blessing over your life, then just let it go, give, just share. And interestingly, the text here, it says they, they pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to share. It's not even the one that just gives it away. The picture here is somebody that's holding on to grain in a season where people are needy and hungry and they're just unwilling to even sell it. Or if they do sell it, they sell it at such a high price so that they can just get more. And here it says, people will praise God and pray for you, not when we just give it away, but even when we sell it or share in a reasonable fashion, people will be grateful. So the choice is ours. Greedy or generous? What's it going to get us in our own souls? What's it going to get us in our relationships with other people, right? Generosity can give you what greed can't get you. And that leads us to the last part of this proverb and probably the most dangerous part of greed. 
And here's what Solomon says. He says, those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. And I want us to just think about this for a moment. If you remember the way that we started this whole series on the wisdom literature, we looked at the first uh, deadly sin, the sin of pride. And we read that famous proverb that says, pride comes before the what? Fall. And here Solomon is saying, you know, there, it's not just pride that will make us fall, that will end our life in ruin. It's those who trust in their riches. You see, greed causes misplaced trust. And we start trusting in our stuff and in our pocketbook and in our bank account and in our 401k. And it's, it's not wrong to have all those things. And we should, and we should be wise But what he's talking about is what's the object that we are most trusting in for our life and for our eternity. And if it's just what we have, if it's just what we've earned, if it's just what we're holding onto, Solomon is saying, man, we are in a danger zone because it can all be gone in a moment's notice. I mean, you've read probably headlines before. Maybe you know somebody, they worked so hard their whole life and they had this incredible nest egg and then they invested it and then they found out that that was a scam and, it, and it's gone. Or, 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 man, we were doing really well and so we heard about this company and we invested in this and, and, and we were watching it and like, then, then we're addicted to the stock market because I'm not, because I don't put anything in there, but I'm saying the people that do, you know, and, and, you, and, and you're all the time just watching it, watching it, watching it, Because honestly, deep down inside, we've put a little bit too much trust in the upward curve. And that curve can bend and it can bend quick. You see, when, when we live greedy lives, we start trusting in the wrong thing and it is dangerous. Job said it's a grave sin. We'll look at Job in just a couple weeks because it's part of the the wisdom literature, and we'll kind of do a recap of the entire book of Job. But here's what Job says in chapter 31, verse 24 and 28. He says, have I put my trust in money or felt secure because of my gold? Have I gloated about my wealth and all that I own? He said, if so, I should be punished by the judges, for it would mean I had denied the God of heaven. You know, Jesus, it was Jesus that said, you can't serve both God and money. It's not that money's a bad thing. Money is a good thing. Money is a gift. Money is usable. It's, it's a resource. It's important. But if that's where our trust lies, that's the danger zone. Tim Keller uh, puts it this way. He says, some trust wealth for safety in this world. Others trust it for a sense of of significance and worth, but these are things that only God can give us. And there's people in the room right now, and you've come to this discovery. Maybe, maybe, maybe you've had it all at one point. Maybe you have it all right now, but you realize having it all is not all. <laughs> and you, maybe some of you in the room, you've discovered, no, man, I, I've had it all, but I really found it all. And I found it all in Jesus. And he makes a difference in the all, whatever the all is that I have. 
And, and for the first time in your life, there's like this, there's this contentment and, the, and the, there's this uh, appreciation of everything that we do have. And life is not any longer about just chasing after more or hoarding and holding on to what we already have, but it's holding everything loosely because you know your hope, your security, your trust, it's, it's not in the stuff. It's in the Savior. The, the proverb goes on and says, those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous, he says, will thrive like a green leaf. Now, that word righteous there, it doesn't mean like uh, I've just got it all together. Or, you know, it's only the people that um, are just sinless and spotless and blameless and, and so holy and uh, have it all together that those are the ones that will thrive. The, the righteous are those who realize that they are unrighteous. Uh, Jesus said, uh, blessed are the, are the poor in spirit. Those that realize that they're bankrupt before God, that we couldn't get enough, gain enough, accumulate enough to ever secure our eternity or to, to pay our ways somehow to heaven or to make a, a penance payment that would cover all of our sins and all of our mess-ups and all of our mistakes. The righteous are those that realize Jesus had to die on the cross in our place so that we could be given a righteousness that we could have never earned on our own. See, this is why generosity, it's just being a reflection of the God who has already been generous towards us. Think about if God was greedy, he would have never given his son. Think about if God was selfish. He would have never sacrificed his son on the cross to pay for our sins and our mess-ups. And, and it's, it's those that have come into a right relationship with God through his son Jesus that are given a righteousness that we could never earn. And he says, then when we've been made righteous, oh, our lives will thrive like a green leaf. It's this picture of of flourishment. It's this picture of life and joy and peace and generosity and refreshment. This is the life that Jesus is inviting us into. I think of uh, Jesus' own words. He says, hey, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world? But we lose our souls. Is anything worth more than your soul? Or Acts chapter 20, verse 35, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Bottom line, guys, generosity can give you what greed can't get you. So I want to close with some next steps. Number one, we ought to ask ourselves some questions. Maybe, maybe it has to do with our finances. And the question is, am I living in integrity when it comes to all of my financial dealings, not cutting corners, not lying on my tax return, paying, do, paying Caesar what is due to Caesar, paying God what is due to God? Am I, am I living with integrity in all these ways? Because greed will cause us to compromise our character and our integrity. Why? So we can just get more or so that we can hold on to what we already have. Second question, what do I tend to trust in money for? Because I think... I, at, at bare bones, all of us are leaning into money and what we have 
a little bit too much. What, but what, why is that? What is that for? Is it, is it for security? Maybe it is. Is it for power or control? Or is it for acceptance by others? Like, I got to have this, all this stuff and get more of this stuff because then I know that I'll be more respected or more liked or people want to be around me more. What is it that I trust money for? And then the third question is, what's one step that I can take this week to live more generously? And it may be financially. It may be with time. It may be using your gifts and your abilities. Uh, in the middle here in the Ohio State hat, that's Todd Spore. Todd and his family go to our Sandusky campus. And Todd Spore, he's like 45, three kids. He's dying of cancer right now. It's bad. Uh, Pastor Eric has gotten really close with him, and he was asking him, is there anything you guys need, anything that we could do? And they have to get a new fence in their backyard because their dog can make it over the old little chain link one. And he said, there's just all this stuff back there. And before the company comes in to put in the fence, they said, we've got to have it all cleaned out. Trees got to be cut down, trimmed up, uh, weeds, all this stuff's got to be cleared out. And so we took a day a couple weeks ago, and several of our staff members, um, and then Carter's there with me down, in the, down with the white sunglasses, and we went over and we, we just cleared it all out. And I got poison ivy to prove it. <laughs> and it itches like crazy. But it was so worth it. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. There was just something about doing good, about serving somebody else, about giving time and as a staff to come together and to do that. Or I think about this, look at this handsome group of young adult men. They all are part of the chapel. They're in our young adult small groups. And they took a night and instead of going out on the town for themselves, they, they came together and then they went to the Abigail Pregnancy Resource Center fundraiser dinner. They bought a table with tickets so they could buy dinner. And then at the dinner, you know, they, they make an ask to support the ministry. And these, these young men said, we want to be behind this because we value life too. And, and they, just, they just got involved and they invited others and they just gave why? Because he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Generosity can give you what greed can't get you. Or this is a picture of Sharon. Sharon comes to right there in the front. Sharon's part of our Port Clinton Chapel family, and she's battling cancer right now. And, and uh, one of our Project Serve teams went over to her house, and she said, I just look out my door, and I love my yard, and it's a mess. And, and, and so they just came alongside of her and just shared their time, their resources, cleaned it all up, because generosity can give you what greed can't get you. And I'm so thankful that we have such a generous church. The way that you guys give, and I don't know if you realize it, like whenever, whenever you give uh, to the chapel, uh, it, it gets disseminated in a number of ways. And because of your generosity, like uh, for instance, our benevolence fund, which is to meet practical needs of people in our community and in our world, this past year, $45,000 was given in benevolence to people in need in our communities. Uh, $10,000 uh, was sent off to Maui when it got hit. And people responded at the chapel and said, we want to help, we want to give, we want to support, we want to make a difference. $10,000, $20,000 was sent this past year in support of the Ukraine through our chapel family. Um, this past year, $223,000 
was invested in missions, both local and global. And that's because of your generosity. And you guys, let me tell you, that is making a huge difference in the lives of real people, of, of children and women in India and other places around the world and right in our own backyards. So thank you. And let's, let's make this what we're known for. Because this is what the people of God look like when they reflect the character of a generous God. Generosity can give you what greed can't get you. Let me close with this prayer. Jesus, thank you for your incredible generosity toward me.